Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Almighty God, thank you for a chance to come into your house and worship you, uh, to be with the saints, uh, those that you have called, those that you have sanctified, those that you are working in our lives and changing us and redeeming us in ways we would never guess. We can't thank you enough for being here. And we thank you for friends and, and uh, visitors that have come, uh, first-time attenders that uh, have come to share with us and to worship with us. And, and Lord, we, we focus this morning on you uh, because you are the reason uh, we are able to sing. You are the reason we are able to rejoice. You are the reason uh, that we have come and that we worship. And so we come before you. We ask for your presence and your understanding as we share together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. A scripture lesson this morning comes from Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 25. Uh, we've kind of looked at the shepherds and we've looked at Mary. Uh, this morning we look at uh, a bit player, I guess, in the Christmas story in some ways. Uh, a guy named Joseph. And so the Gospel of Matthew, the writer writes... This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. May God add God's blessing, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. How does this and and it's an important question. It, it's really what the season is all about, isn't it? Um, and if you look at the story, uh, you, you're reminded that the shepherd's uh, answer to that question was that Jesus was the shepherd king, the one who would guide them and direct them. That's important. It's important to remember that's who, part of who Jesus is, right? He's our king who leads us and directs us and, and paths of righteousness and all those good things that uh, the psalmist shared with us. Uh, but last week we talked about Mary and we saw how Mary, um, Mary saw Jesus as her son, but also God's son. And as God's son, she had to say yes. She had to say yes. And I hear that there's still discussion about whether Mary had a choice or not. Uh, but ultimately, she had to say yes, because it was God who was coming to her. And, and when God comes to us, we have to say yes. So this morning, as we, as we think through the story, um, 
I want to talk about the silent partner. Now, in business, the silent partner is the one who, uh, who pays all the bills, so to speak, offers all the capital, and then really doesn't have a whole lot of influence on the rest of the business. Now, they can, but if they're a true silent partner, their desire is simply to invest in the business, and then they kind of keep their distance a little bit. Um, but they make that investment, and because they make that investment, they're involved. But you don't hear much about them. They're the silent partner. They're the one that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but in the Christmas story, and in particular in the poem that we've been looking at, What Child Is This?, you sang it, and you may have noticed that there was somebody missing. You see, the song talks about the angels, and the Scriptures is full of the angels coming and to Mary, and, and the angels to the shepherds, and, and there's all kinds of stories about angels. And, and then, of course, there's the shepherds, and, and the shepherds go and they tell everybody what they've heard and seen, and, and the shepherds are an exciting part of the story. And then, of course, later on we have the wise men, and, and even in the poem, did you notice, even though the wise men aren't specifically mentioned, it talks about the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, who doesn't know that part of the story? And then, of course, there's Mary. Everybody's heard about Mary. Mary's an important part of the story, correct? Um, and there's that whole section in Luke about Mary and uh, going to see Elizabeth and all that about Mary. And, of course, the main point, of course, is the baby, Jesus. But there is somebody that is also in the story that doesn't get a whole lot of play. Um, as a matter of fact, he's missing from the picture here. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, you see, he, he's kind of the silent partner in all this. Joseph is missing, isn't he? As a matter of fact, in, in the gospel stories in, uh, it's, itself, Joseph gets a very little mention. As a matter of fact, Joseph doesn't say anything. Did you notice that? Joseph is silent in all the Gospels, and some of the Gospels don't even mention him at all. Joseph. A stepfather. Joseph who wanted to do it right. He wanted to be the best father he could be. And yet he would be a stepfather. Can you imagine if you were Joseph and your child is really God's child? <laughs> uh, no, can you imagine the responsibility that goes with that? Now, I don't know if you know much about being a step-parent. Uh, I am a stepfather, although I never call myself that because uh, my kids are all my kids. Uh, my oldest, when she was little, when I introduced her as my daughter, she'd always say, I'm your stepdaughter. I'd say, well, maybe so, but I'm your father. I never used that term because they were my kids. And a number of years ago, there was a, uh, a, a thing on Facebook, a stepfather who uh, had raised a child and provided for this child 
And this child was getting married. You may have read this story. Uh, this child was getting married, and, and he, the stepfather had paid for the wedding and, and for all that was going in it. At the rehearsal dinner, this child stood up and announced that her biological father would be walking her down the aisle. And this person who is writing the story, who is sharing his angst and his hurt, stood up and congratulated the bride and groom and let them know that um, he would no longer be financing anything and he hoped they had a great life, but he wouldn't attend the wedding. And I read that, and as a stepfather, that kind of hit me. I always assumed, but first of all, that my daughters would ask their biological father to walk them down the aisle, even though he'd had very little connection with them for a number of years. Uh, I assumed, uh, because I know that whether or not you have that connection, you have that connection. But as I read the story, I, I also realized that there was a problem here. And you see, the problem wasn't with the child. Listen carefully. The problem wasn't with the child. You see, all that father could write in that, <clears throat> what he wrote on Facebook, was how much it cost him to raise this child. And how much the wedding cost. And all the things he had bought. And all the things he had done. And in so doing, he proved that he did, had no understanding of what a father really is. Because you see, a father simply gives, right? Because they love. They give. They don't keep track of how much money. I, I would be ashamed if, if I said to my, my daughters, any of my daughters, well, you know, I paid for your college, and I paid for this, and I paid for that, and I paid for the other thing. No, I don't care. I don't even know how much it costs. I didn't keep track. It doesn't matter. I gave because I love them. And if that child should walk down the aisle with someone else, that doesn't change how much I love them. Do you get it? It's the example of our Heavenly Father, is it not? When you love someone, you give to them. It's not how much you're going to get. It's simply that you want to give. And by the way, if you give to your children expecting something in return, you will be disappointed. Guaranteed. But if you give to your children because you love them, you build a relationship with that child that will never be broken by you. It's exactly what God did. Isn't it? He loved us so much that He was willing to sacrifice everything for us. And in so doing, He proved His love for us, whether we accept that love or not. That's what a father does. You understand, because I, I know many of you understand, because I've heard and 
I've heard where there are some guys in this church that have actually gone Christmas shopping with their spouses because they love them, even though it means they go into stores they'd never go in otherwise. But they go, why? Because they love them. And I know women in this church that help cut up the deer. They wouldn't cut up a deer for any other reason except that they love the one who's brought that deer home. And so they're willing to do that. Why? Because they love them. They're willing to make that sacrifice. Now those are minor things where God is willing to give His all for us. You see, that's what love is all about. That's what fathering is all about. Whether you put a step in front of it or not. Not keeping track. Simply loving. That's what God did. So here's Joseph. Stepfather. Trying to figure out how to go about it rightly. And we hear that Joseph is very concerned about righteousness. How do you raise this child? How do you do it rightly? How do you live rightly? How do you exist rightly? And what's exciting to me is this child came to show us and to be our righteousness. Listen very carefully. He came to be our righteousness. Now we see this in this story very clearly, and I hope you can see it as we go through it, because we're going to go through it fairly quickly. But I want you to hear how Jesus' righteousness is revealed in the story of Joseph. First of all, you remember Joseph is having a hard time, right? He's trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong in this situation. And normally in a situation when we try to figure out what's right or wrong, we frequently think about, okay, what does the law say, right? How does the law say what's right and what's wrong? But you and I both know the law has limits, doesn't it? Because there are situations it doesn't cover. And there are ways you can twist the words to make them say what you want them to say. I'm, I'm always amazed when um, we get those referendums uh, on the ballot. Have you ever read those things? Yeah, sometimes you have to answer yes to answer no. Uh, they've got it so twisted. And, and so the hard thing is to figure out what's right and what's wrong. How do I know what's right and what's wrong in a situation? And this is exactly what Joseph is struggling with. You see, according to the law, if he's going to follow the law, he is to bring uh, Mary before the authorities and they are to stone her. And Joseph clearly has compassion for her. He doesn't want her stoned. He, he doesn't want her hurt. So he's trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. And he begins to think, well, maybe if I just divorce her. You see, I can't follow the law whole, 100%, but maybe I could get just a little bit of it. And I'll divorce her quietly, and we'll go on with our lives, and it'll be okay. He wants to be righteous, but this situation isn't covered under the law. What's he supposed to do? Now, wouldn't it be wonderful if when you were trying to figure out what the right thing to do is, if an angel showed up? Wouldn't that be great? I saw a comic this week. Guy and his wife are sitting there talking, and he, he says to her, Boy, I wish I were like Joseph, that every time I'm trying to find the right way to go, uh, God would send an angel to tell me. And she says, 
He did. I'm right here. You're not listening. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I don't know if, I, if you ever heard me say this, but, um, you know, I married an angel. Yeah, I know that because she's always up in the air harping about something. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It gets worse all the time, doesn't it? You're lucky to have her. I am lucky to have her. I am lucky to have her, and she she puts up with me. Um, yeah, now I got you back on track. I got way off. So Joseph has an angel come, and in a dream, begins to help him to see and to open up for him a new understanding. You with me? A new understanding of things that he has been taught since he was a little child. And you see, this new understanding is different than the way he had been taught. Listen very carefully. This is a new understanding. God gives him this understanding based on Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now you have to understand, for Joseph, the understanding of that passage went way back to the time of Isaiah. And, he, and the Hebrew can be translated young woman as opposed to virgin. And so they did that and just assumed that this was about something that happened in Isaiah's day. But God is now opening up for Joseph a new understanding of His Word. And He does that by sending the messenger to help Him understand. And in so doing, Joseph all of a sudden has his mind open to new possibilities and new ideas based on the Word of God because God is speaking to him in a new way. You with me? Now this is important because when the angel comes to him, he begins to open these things up and the, the message is that this child will be born of the Holy Spirit. And what God has done is He has come and He has allowed His Holy Spirit to come upon us and so that we can experience God with us, God in us, Emmanuel, so that we can interpret and understand right from wrong. This is very important. This is more important than you can imagine because you see many people today read the Old Testament laws and they read through them and they say, well, that was for back then. That's not for today. Well, there's a problem with that. If you're going to do that, then let's just rip it out and let's get rid of it. Let's get rid of Deuteronomy. Let's get rid of Leviticus. Let's get rid of part of uh, Exodus. And while we're at it, we might as well get rid of Numbers. But we can't do that because it's part of the Word of God. The question is, what does that say to us today through the power of the Holy Spirit? You can't just throw it out. You have to read it and ask the Holy Spirit to understand it. We get so caught up in the minutia of the law, we miss the purpose of the law. It's, it's the same way with our laws today, right? Have you, ever, have you ever heard somebody say, well, you have to follow the spirit of the law. I hear that all the time when people go too fast on the highway. Well, I'm following the spirit of the law. I'm not, not trying to go too, too fast. Well, that's not, of course, what this means, right? The truth of the matter is that, that we have an opportunity to understand God's word in a new and powerful way that will transform us 
and give us wisdom as to which way to go and where to turn and how to live. It happened for Joseph. It will happen for us as we open our lives to the Spirit of God and as we read through His Word. That's why the Apostle Paul, when he was talking to the church in Colossae, he he says this. He says, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's why the Scripture says in Proverbs, we'll go there. Um, That's why the Scripture says in Proverbs, um, yeah, go the right way here. I'm going the wrong way. I hate this. Okay, there we go. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on whose understanding? Your own understanding. You see, when you just read it on your own understanding, you're going to miss the, under, the whole point. That's what's wrong with our world, right? They read the Christmas story. They miss the whole point. They think it's about a, a great story about a baby and, and these people in a manger, and that's all there is to it. They miss who the Christ child is because they don't read it with eyes of faith. It says, in all your ways, submit to Him. Who's that? Jesus. Or God in Christ Jesus, you could say it that way. And He will make your paths straight. You see, as you begin to trust in Him and understand Him and open yourself up to Him, all of a sudden what you read is different. I'll tell you what, uh, we've been going through a lot of old things at our house um, and throwing a lot of them away and came across love letters. You ever come across love letters? Oh, man. Bad. Um, and, and you read them. And what's interesting when you read them is that um, you realize if someone who didn't have this relationship read them, they'd have no idea what you're talking about. But I remember, and Barb remembers. So we read them and we laugh. And we smile. And we remember. And because of that relationship, those words mean a whole lot more and is much different than what it means to you or to me, or to you or to you. <laughs> you see, because we have that relationship, we understand. The same is true when it comes to Scripture. You really want to understand the Scripture, you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth. And as you open up yourself to that relationship, you'll begin to understand some of these things that are written even in the Old Testament as He begins to help you understand what that means for your life. And so Jesus has offered us His Spirit, Emmanuel, God with us, so that we could find our way. That's why the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Colossae. He says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the what Spirit gives. That the Spirit gives. As we listen to God and to God's Word. That's why it's so powerful to have Jesus come and offer us Emmanuel, God with us. So that righteousness, that understanding of right or wrong comes from God being with us through the Holy Spirit within us. But that's not all. You know, Joseph has enough courage then to take Mary home as his wife. 
And, and Joseph tries to do everything that the angel says. He tries to obey. And my guess is Joseph tried desperately to do what was right. But in order to fulfill the law, he also had to go and make sacrifice. Why would he have to make sacrifice if he did it all right? Well, he doesn't do it all right. He recognizes that. And he knows there's things in the past he hasn't done right. And Excuse me, there will be things in the future he hasn't done, right? And so he takes the lamb, he takes even upon Jesus' dedication, he takes the dove and he offers it as a sacrifice. You see, he understands that he is separated from God and he's trying to do all he can to get back into that relationship with God. But he cannot do it on his own. The good news is Jesus came to reestablish that relationship by being our salvation, our righteousness. That's why God says, the angel says to Joseph, you will call him Jesus. For he will save his people, what, from the Roman government? No. That he will save his people, what, from each other? No. That He will save His people, what, from being sick? No. That He will save His people, what, from uh, being poor? No. He will save His people from their sin. From all those things they've ever done wrong or will ever do wrong, He'll take away the guilt and the stain of sin and set them free. That's why Jesus came. To be righteous for us. So he could offer our righteousness, or his righteousness for us, and take our guilt and our shame and be the sacrifice for us once and for all, done for all time, forgiven. That's what he offers us. He offers to be our salvation, our righteousness. That's an awesome gift. And it doesn't just happen by you watching it. You can't just say, oh, wow, yeah, I heard about that last week. That's great. I'm glad Jesus did that. I'm glad a Savior was born. People say that all the time. A Savior was born. I don't think they understand what that means. That child was born to die for you and for me so that we could be righteous. But the Apostle Paul made it very clear. So apart from the law, righteousness of God has been made known. To which the law and the prophets testify. In other words, that's what the whole Testament's about. You with me? It's about this righteousness that God offers. And this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So someone you love has got you exactly what you need or want for Christmas. And they put it under the tree. And Christmas morning, you get up and you have to make a choice. Are you going to open that gift and declare it's yours? Or are you going to walk away and leave the gift where it is? You see, just knowing about Jesus doesn't save you. You have to believe. You have to ask Him into your life. Ask Him to forgive you. And He'll change your life. He'll set you free. He will save you from your sin. That's who Jesus is. Our righteousness. 
for all who will believe. And lastly, I want you to see this real quickly. Um, the neat thing about Jesus is he brings people together. Did you notice that? Look, look at the Christmas story. God's presence always brings people together. Think about it. It brought shepherds and wise men together. I want you to think about that. Shepherds who are on the lowest rung of the social economic status and wise men that are on one of the higher rungs of the social economic status. They're both in the story. Why is that? Because when God comes to earth, He brings people together. This is awesome. Angels and human beings, heaven and earth. The angels say, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. You see, heaven and earth come together when God's presence comes down in the form of Jesus Christ and Emmanuel is with us. It brings us back together with God. That's an awesome thing. God with us. He brings us together. And finally, Mary and Joseph who at times it could have been over. It could have been the end. But no, God said, I want you to be together to raise my son. I want you to be a family. And here they are together in the manger through all kinds of struggles and trials. And of course, we all know that when your relationship is going great and there are struggles and trials, things get even better, right? Not usually. Usually when there are struggles and trials, the relationship begins to, to um, get a little more difficult, shall we say. And I, I can't imagine how it went for Joseph the closer they got to Bethlehem. Especially when there was no room in the end. But God brought them together. And when God brings us together, He holds us together. And his story becomes our story. Because he comes to be with us together. With us together. You see, it doesn't matter what color skin you have. And it doesn't matter what social economic status you come from. It, it, it really doesn't matter whether you're male or female, the scripture says. We're all one in Christ Jesus. He brings us together. As a matter of fact, that's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? You know what's sad? It must be horrible for, for Jesus and for our God. You, you watch these movies on TV about Christmas, right? And what are they all about? Well, you know, the guy and the girl, they uh, all through the turmoil of Christmas. And then all of a sudden they come together and it's all, all good and great. And We love those movies. We watch them over and over and over again. Why do we watch them? Because they are so, oh man, they... they just make, make Christmas feel good. But you and I both know that in our world, Christmas becomes one of the most dangerous and difficult times of the year. People kill themselves, and people get divorced, and people get um, angry, and people get mad, and, and life begins to fall apart. And why is that? Because Christmas has become a stressful time. Because it's no longer about the peace that Jesus brings. It's no longer about God with us. It's about all other times kinds of things. What I want you to hear is that when God is the center of our lives, then the rest of that stuff begins to fall away. We begin to realize what Christmas is all about. God with us, and it brings us together, not apart. I love going to children's conference, uh, concerts at Christmas time at the schools. 
I, I love it because um, all of a sudden, uh, every once in a while, they'll sing a Christmas carol. Now, I know a lot of schools don't allow this anymore, but every once in a while, they sneak one in. And I look around and I think, yeah, see, God is still bringing us together. It's not over. It's not over. He still wants to bring us together. He's got friends and neighbors that He wants to bring into His family. And He's counting on you this Christmas to talk about how God is with us. God is in us. God's going to bring us together. God's going to bring them into His family because you're going to share with them how God has made a difference in your life. You see, when God is with us, that changes relationships. So here's the question. If Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, then that means He's changed you. So the first question is, has He changed you? Do you see a difference in your life? Is there anything that's different? Are you still the same as you've always been? And if you're the same as you've always been, then I, I encourage you to look again and ask yourself, who is Jesus in my life? Because when Jesus comes into your life, then things begin to change. First of all, the understanding of Christmas gets all different, doesn't it? And all of a sudden you begin to realize that God has a plan for your life and He's seeking you and He has a direction for you and you, you can begin to see it as you open your eyes to Him. And if God is in your life, uh, then you recognize that He loves you so much that He gave His all for you, sent His Son to die for you, that that's what the Christmas story is really all about. And He wants to forgive you of all that past junk. And if you would say yes to Him today, it's all gone. Scripture says, as far as the east is from the west. I love that. Because we mark the north and the south. You can measure from North Pole to South Pole. We don't mark east and west. <laughs> Isn't God great? And if God is part of your life, then your relationships are different. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. It's not about... Uh, whether other people see me or not, it's whether they see Him or not. See, the question is, if this child is God with us, what difference does that make in your life? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You for our time together and for challenging us this morning.